Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 20, Parental Guidance Suggested. Mary, what happened this week? Kelly and Dylan make out a whole bunch instead of cleaning up the house for Iris' arrival for the weekend. They figure they have about three hours to get stuff done, but Iris shows up early. Iris asks Kelly what her sign is, and Kelly doesn't tell her, and I really want to know. Jack manipulates Dylan into manipulating Iris into signing those trust fund papers so he can get Dylan's money. Dylan spends a day with Iris in Ojai and convinces her to... (laughs) Sorry, I said that really weird. (laughs) Ojai. Ojai. Okay, Dylan spends a day with Iris in Ojai and convinces her to have dinner with him and Jack. Iris is like, nah, you can't have that money. But by the end, she's like, meh, you can have that money. Her (laughs) reasoning is that if shit blows up, money doesn't buy happiness anyway. After Iris signs the thing, Jim is the last person standing between Jack McKay and Dylan's money. He admits to Cindy that he has dad feelings for Dylan. Brenda is super sad about Dylan choosing Kelly over her, so she imagines attacking Dylan and Kelly with an axe and cutting Kelly's hair. She also removes all evidence that Dylan and Kelly ever were in her life, throwing all of her memories into a cardboard box. She gets mad at her family for asking how she is all the time, and then she gets mad at them for not asking how she is all the time. Then she cries to Jim. Iris comes to visit before she leaves to go back to Hawaii and gives Brenda a crystal to help with all her negative energy. She also gives her advice on how life is really long, and this sad part is only one little tiny piece of it. Brenda puts her box in the garage instead of burning it and says hi to Kelly at school. Kelly is still not hungry. Icon Records is interested in David's music. Icon Records is not interested in David's manager. David breaks up with Steve to work with a sketchy music executive named Curtis Bray. Andrea is self-conscious about being poor around rich Yale people at a fancy tea, but then Jordan Bonner is there. They bond over being scholarship babies and it's cute. He then sends her a fax at school and that's cute too. Brandon is wearing an extra low-cut peach pit shirt, trying to show off all his little chest hairs. So is Nat, honestly. Have their shirts always looked like that? Anyway, he's... He's still betting on basketball, but at least he's talking to Brenda again when sports aren't on TV. He wants to buy skis, but also a new CD player with a disc changer in the trunk. Jim is like, how do you have all this money? Well, Jim, gambling. I assume he's been doing a pretty good job because he buys his skis and a new stereo for his car and gifts for Brenda and Cindy. Seriously, though, like, how much money has Brandon made? We know at least what, like a hundred and forty dollars, four hundred and fifty, right? I just can't trace it back. Like, I mean, I, I don't have the the records to track, but I I can't balance this checkbook. I was about to try and make an accounting joke and be like, as an accountant, this is fraud. It's all bullshit. Yeah, it's a I house mean, of cards, and it's gonna tumble. It's like so fast. I'm prepared. Because now he's invested, right? Like, he's bought the things, not just for himself, but other people. And he's, like, clearly not good with managing money because he's essentially, like, have money, buy things. Have more money, buy more things. Have most money, buy most things. And that's not how you manage money. Which, like, yeah, his dad is Jim, who is possibly a money manager. Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> How does he not know that, like, for every dollar you take in, you put 50% of it into savings? I mean, presumably he's had either other jobs besides the peach pit, or he's, like, I don't know, had chores around the house to make an allowance or something. Like, what I mean by that is presumably he's been taught that you make money and then save it, not you make money then spend it. So, I mean, yeah, he's the one that's supposed to be so, like, money conscious like he's the one that wanted to get a job so he could get the car and get the car insurance and pay for gas and da 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 whatever but then in this episode like at the ver- I think it's one of the very first things you see with him because it was at the breakfast table Jim was like oh I thought you wanted skis and he's like ski season left me behind dad and then he goes and buys skis anyway 
He's like, these are for next year. That's his investment. (laughs) (laughs) I'm shaking my head because it just doesn't make any sense. No, it's so dumb. And like, people are catching on. I love Jim being like, why are you watching so much basketball? I'm very concerned about how much basketball you want. And then he just leaves to go watch basketball and Jim's like, he's studying. He's got homework. I'm in denial. (laughs) Don't cover for him. He's being a rude little butthole. He call him out. I will say, like, he's bad, but not as annoying as I thought he would be. Like, maybe it's, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because we're like 20 episodes into season three and there's been like a hundred episodes that we've gone through. I don't know how many we've gone through. It seems like a lot, but the less Brandon is the main focus, the more I like him. (laughs) like do you know what I mean because it's like when he's not the like main a storyline when he's all up in arms and he's got to go on some crusade then he's okay because he's just like chilling in the background just like gambling and shit (laughs) (laughs) I mean yeah like our two favorite things of him so far this season off the top of my head I'm sure I have said something to completely contradict this were like him chewing up the scenery in the background of shots. And then like I I actually really loved when he's talking to Jim and Jim's like, no, don't watch basketball right now. We have visitors. And he's like, can I go watch in your room? Yeah. Because like, that, that feels so real to me. It's like he's more relatable now that he has a gambling addiction. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. I, yeah. No, it's – that's totally true because he's not perfect anymore. Not that he was perfect to begin with, but, like, everyone all thought he was perfect, and now, like, he's currently got a flaw, and so all we're just like, hello, relatable Brandon. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I Welcome don't, to the show. I don't mind him right now. I just don't. I don't. No, he had a couple of – he had some weird things, like, when Andrea's down and he's, like, feeling bad about being poor, I'm not poor. It's like, that's a little weird. But then he, like, recovers because – she was like, oh, maybe I don't belong at Yale. And he was like, you totally belong at Yale. You're so good. You earned this. Yeah, I think all he says is like, you're smart. That's what got you into Yale. But he started it with <laughs> feel bad about being poor. Uh, just kidding. You're really smart. <laughs> like, It did feel like a little backtrack where he was just like, oh, that probably wasn't right. Well, You're smart enough to get into Yale, even if you're too poor to get into Yale. Like, (laughs) I really, though, I'm so happy that Jordan Bonner showed back up because, like, I just, he's the better Brandon. I feel like Brandon is going to develop a complex like he always does when Andrea finds a boy that's better than him. And I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, this one hurts or, like, cuts a little deeper because Jordan, like, is Brandon, but better. Like, if it's, like, Jay was not Brandon, and Steve is not Brandon. And, and uh, guy with two first names. John Griffin. Yes. John Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> he is not Brandon. But now she's found Brandon, but better. Let me, let me upgrade you. But, I mean, that's... Honestly, that's kind of it with Brandon. There's some twin talk, but, like, I feel like that's more in the Brenda storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Brandon's story is that he keeps gambling, and no one knows, but people are suspicious. That's it. Yeah, I mean, Jim picks up on it, then Brandon's a little rude to Iris because he wants to go watch sports. And, yeah, that's about it. He buys some subwoofers and then tries to make Cindy sit inside so she can feel them. Which I don't know about you guys, but like if you have to sit inside and like you feel the bass or like you feel the like reverberation, doesn't that mean you're blowing out your speakers? Brandon, that's your mom. (laughs) That was what got me. I was like, no, go find friends. (laughs) It's like, mom, mom, mom. Mom. Money. Mom. Money. Mom. (laughs) Also, my mom had 
for like the longest time in my life. She had a 1995 Lexus that had the six CD changer in the trunk. So when he was talking about getting the six CD changer, I was just like, oh, I, I can relate to this. I thought it was so cool that I had six CDs. But that you had to park your car, walk to your trunk, open it up to change it. <laughs> That's so weird. Like, why was it put in the trunk? Oh, I have no idea. But I remember, like, vividly, I was allowed, like, one CD slot in my mom's car. And every now and then I'd, like, sneak some more in. And then, like, the two-mile drive home from school, I'd go through all of it. Oh, yeah. And then oh. we get home and I'd change them out. I want to say my dad had one too, like in his old Jeep. I'm going to have to text him and ask him because like now I'm just curious because I want to say this was back. It was like right in the border between like when cassettes started going away and CDs were coming in. And I remember, if I remember correctly, my dad's first CD that we listened to in his Jeep was like Matchbox 20 or something. Or like Vertical Horizon. His favorite bands in the late 90s were Matchbox 20, Vertical Horizon, Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah, that's who we liked. Those were his top three. And I just remember I listened to him forever. But I bet it was in that six CD changer in his Jeep. I'm going to have to ask him. Now I really want to know. <laughs> oh, I can't use my phone. We're using the phone. <laughs> I was like, where is it? <laughs> I do that all the time. Um, yeah, so that's, that's Brandon. I guess, do you want to go through the rest of it, like, scene by scene in order? Yeah, because I feel like it pretty, like, the, the Dylan and Brenda storylines kind of mix well together. The only one that's, like, off a little is, um, the, the David one. And Andrea, kind of. Yeah. But, I mean, we, we basically already covered it. She's gonna go to Yale. She's sad because she's poor. She runs into Jordan. They realize they're poor together, and then Jordan faxes her at school, which is so adorable. He That's the 1993 version of sliding into DMs. So. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh <my> <laughs> uh, the fax made me so, like, irrationally <laughs> happy. Because <laughs> that's the number he has that he knows he can get to her. And that he knows that she's going to be there. Oh, of course she's going to be there. But, oh, my gosh, no, this is perfect. What if he, like, faxes her and then she writes her response on it and faxes him back and, like, this is how Instant Messenger happened in 1992. Aww. This could have been even, like, pre-pager. Like, right? Because when were pagers popular? Oh, I don't know. I feel like if pagers – pagers probably were popular somewhere around this time, but I feel like – someone in this group should have one. Yeah. Like, like if, if like, they were truly popular, Donna would have one. Yeah, or like yeah. Kelly would have one. Steve would totally have one. Oh, yeah. Steve, that's definitely. That's how they're he definitely, business. They're definitely a thing in Clueless. So maybe it was just like a year later yeah. or something. Oh, my gosh. We watched Clueless last week. It was John's first time ever seeing Clueless. No. We were scrolling through Netflix and he like paused on it and he's like, Donald Faison's in this movie. And I was like, yes, he is. And he was like, is it a good movie? And I was like, it's a very good movie. And he just looks at me and goes, are you being serious? <laughs> and I was like, it's, it's, a, so, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And then, you know, we watched it. He didn't say anything. And then they get to the very end of the movie where Paul Rudd and Alicia Silverstone kiss. And he just goes, that's his sister. <laughs> And that was it. <laughs> God, I love that movie. So Brittany good. Murphy in that movie is just my fucking favorite thing. I love it so much. Every time, like, Cher would have to go up to give her debate things, I'd be like, John, John, pay attention. And he's just <laughs> like, okay, I'm paying attention. <laughs> No, it's so good. That's awesome. So good. I'm I'm glad he had his first clueless experience with you. <laughs> oh, I was so happy. I knew he was gonna hate it too. And I was just sitting there like, no, it's a really good movie. Let's put it on. <laughs> but he did enjoy Donald Faison and he did enjoy Paul Rudd. And then he looked up a picture of like the side by sides of Paul Rudd then and now. 
It's like the same. (laughs) Yeah. I swear he's never done it before. Yeah. I was like, that's Paul Rudd. He looks no different. And then he like pulled up Paul Rudd then and now and just started giggling on his phone. (laughs) That's awesome. It was a great experience. Anyway, that has literally nothing to do with anything. Because Brenda is like putting all of her Dylan stuff into a box and like she's finally in her post breakup. It's actually post breakup purge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought like at first, I'll be honest, I thought it was like a flashback, her little like dreamscape or whatever. And I was like, oh, is this a flashback? Brenda's being weirdly cool. <laughs> yeah. And um, no. <laughs> Not cool at all because all of a sudden she gets out this giant axe and, and yeah. I just love Kelly being like, why does she have an axe? Yeah. Oh, God. I expected her to be like, oh, my Lord, because I think she said that a couple of times and I always think their ad libs are like, you know, just true reactions. But she didn't. She said, who gave her an axe? <laughs> Which is great. God. I love the Brenda fantasies. Mm-hmm. They just make me so happy. They're like not as good as the dreams that she has, but they're like still good. I do feel like they've toned it down since her being a race car driver and like a World War II. Like paratrooper. <laughs> She's a veteran, guys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they definitely toned it down. Although I want them to bring them back. Maybe they got a bad review on like the High Wire episode when they put Andrea in that situation. I don't know. But I miss the Brenda dreams. I don't know. Because I remember, you know, this is not the first time that Kelly has had an axe pulled on her in a fantasy. Was the second time the prom? Or not Yeah, prom, with Andrea. Spring, spring yeah. dance? Wasn't that a chainsaw though? Oh, it was a chainsaw. You're right. But, still. but, like, same concept. Yeah. yeah. She's been threatened to be chopped. I mean, she's the popular pretty girl in the horror film that dies first or second because the black person always dies first. Blondes never last in horror films. No. I never do. Unless they're the main character, like, in The Ring or Silent Hill. But then there was the blonde cop who did, did not make it. Spoilers. That's why Buffy exists. She's True. the blonde cheerleader who sur- mostly survives. <laughs> mostly. She only dies twice. It's okay. Well, then you're going to enjoy some future things in the Arrowverse because <laughs> somebody else dies a bunch of times. Oh, my God. Well, I've already discovered the pit. Right. But anyway, speaking <laughs> of pits, Dylan's house is a mess. Yeah, I thought you were going to be like, Brenda's in the pits. <laughs> uh, I yeah. mean, yes. But yeah, Dylan's house is a disgusting mess. And I, if I was Kelly, I'd be distracted. Like, she is distracted. She's like, no, we have to clean your house. No, you should really answer the door. No, don't make out with me. <laughs> but like, really, I would be like, this is disgusting. Yeah. What's happening here? Yeah, and like. I mean, now I'm going to get a little deep on it, but it's like, is this the difference between Kelly and Brenda? Like, Brenda called Dylan out on his shit and, like, made him, like, be, like, I don't know, responsible and stuff. And Kelly's just like, whatever, you can do what you want. Yeah, I think Kelly is definitely in a, we're going to have fun and do whatever we want. And, yeah, Brenda had a much more serious relationship with him, both because of just who she is. I guess, mm-hmm. and also their, like, Romeo and Juliet thing of, like, you can't be with him. Right, right, right. Well, and yeah. then Hurricane Iris shows up early. Oh, my gosh. I love everything about this where, like, she shows up early. Kelly, like, runs into the other room to get dressed. And then Iris is just like, uh, God, what is she? She was talking about like Brenda and all of this stuff. And then Kelly walks out with her buttons mismatched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right before that, she says my quote of the week. Um, and it was, she walks in, she talks to Dylan and she's like, Oh, I can see why you wanted to pick me up 
from the airport from my later flight or whatever because it's a pigsty and she's like where's brenda and her like weird sort of british accent and <laughs> and she's like scorps have a notorious need for neatness which is my quote of the week a because she says scorps and not scorpios <laughs> b because of all the implications here because neatness aka like the messy house but then like i said the like kind of clean kind of rules in the relationship like not just fly by the seat of your pants kind of thing she wants it organized and she wants it clearly defined so yeah early but it was definitely the quote of the week there weren't really any other good ones no and i loved it that she calls out her being a scorpio again because i was like she doesn't have a may birthday right doesn't make any iris knows yeah yeah come on who are you gonna trust here (laughs) and also okay so I skipping ahead just a teen a little bit um, because this is related. Like when Kelly shows up at the peach pit later to talk to Donna and then is telling her that Iris showed up and was just like talking about Brenda in front of her. It's like, but she wasn't really like, maybe she did an off screensville, but when she showed up, she had no idea Kelly was there asking about Brenda. And it's not like Dylan and her have a good relationship. So why would she know that Dylan broke up with Brenda? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they must have had something that we didn't see or something because it did, yeah, it didn't make sense. No, it's a whole thing that, I don't know, it feels kind of divided and I really wonder what's up with Donna and her two best friends. Like, does she know? As far as we know, Donna knows that... Brenda had a thing with Rick that Dylan and Brenda broke up that Kelly and Brenda gave Dylan the ultimatum but we yeah, don't so- know if Donna knows about the cheating because I don't think I don't I still don't think Donna knows that Dylan was with Kelly over the summer yeah I don't know that anybody knows except for David right Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Which is messy. I don't like it. It's messy. It's so yeah. messy. Well, because even when like Donna and Kelly are talking and she's like, and Iris was talking about Brenda right in front of me and Donna was just like, ugh. Like, you don't know the full story and it's not fair to Donna. This whole episode was not fair to Donna. She it's had very true. little screen time and all of her screen time was David being like, what graduating early? Yeah, which is literally the next scene, so that's a good little segue, because basically Steve and David are walking in, and or walking around, and kind of like talking about icon records and trying to get a meeting, and Steve's just talking, 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 and David's like, I fired you, dude. Why are you still acting like my manager? And he's like, well, no, 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 no. you didn't really fire me. You just said you did, but like, you know, I'm still working for you. I'm the one that got you all the, you know, like get the gig at the beach club and um, the gig at the other place where Diesel was and, like, all this kind of stuff. I'm I'm the one g- getting you connections, so you can't fire me. And finally, like, he kind of convinces him to hire him back, sort of, um, just basically to get this meeting uh, with that record company. And Donna's like, what the hell, man? Like, I'm sitting over here doing your radio show, trying to help you study so you can graduate early, and now you want to try to go pursue your career right now? No. I don't remember exactly what they all say, but yeah, she was just like, you know what you should be thinking about? School. Yeah. And then they just like, they're just like, nah, this is important. Right. David does not deserve Donna. He doesn't. I hope he changes that tune. Because I would hate to go through however long the relationship is and, like, him never seem to be worthy. I mean, who really is worthy, right? Because as we know from the angels that Donna is an angel on Earth if we ever saw one. But I just hope he does something that, like, makes it feel like it's evenly balanced and not just completely one-sided. Yeah, I definitely hope so. And, like, he is growing. He's getting better. And I think, you know, this episode makes sense that if somebody reaches out to him about a record deal and he's got a bunch of turmoil going on in his life, he's going to go for it. Yeah. I think that totally makes sense. Uh, I think 
he's a bit of a dick to Steve, and I can't decide if Steve deserves it or not, truthfully. Yeah. I mean, and maybe we can't maybe we can't go ahead and like do the David yeah. storyline. But like so essentially they get this meeting. Um, and first of all, the record lady, I forget gosh, I didn't write down her name. Um Debbie sounds wrong. Peggy sounds wrong. I don't know. It's the lady that was in the record company. And she comes to greet them and is like, so and so we'll see you now. Or we'll see you when he's ready. Like something like that. But anyway, I was like, I recognize her. She looks really familiar. She's been in a ton of stuff, like tons of stuff, but she was in One Tree Hill. So that was the thing I recognized her from. But anyway, they show up at to this place and they go meet with this weird dude who seems like he's on cocaine and talk to him kind of about like, like it was so weird. It was almost like the dude was trying to sell the record company to David, not David sell himself to the record company. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No. First of all, he has also been in a ton of stuff because I thought he looked familiar and I could not actually like pick out anything. But like, if you look at his IMDb credits, you've seen him in a ton of things. He was in Buffy. He was in Boy Meets World. Like he's just been all over the place. But yeah, I noticed the same thing is like they come in and he's immediately like, oh, yeah, you can talk to this producer and you can do this and you can do that. But then he got real weird about it and was like, no songs about drugs, no songs about killing cops. I was like, what? Yeah. And I still thought this was like before a lot of the race stuff happened in the 90s, like the big riots and stuff. But I guess it wasn't. No, it was after. They've called out the L.A. riots previously but yeah because I tried to look up like the billboard top hits for around this time and I couldn't really get a grasp on what exactly he was talking about because I mean I may have been looking in the wrong year but it was like Will Smith and I was like I don't think Will Smith rapped about killing cops or drugs he Um, rapped about summertime and being a fresh prince exclusively (laughs) (laughs) i mean when did like nwa become like big and like tupac and biggie was that later no i think that was the 80s into the 90s i don't know when they got like true popularity so maybe it was them because they kind of pushed the envelope on that that's definitely what i was thinking i mean they had a song that said fuck the police right 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 um, but I don't understand how you hear that from NWA and then you see David in his all purple outfit and are like, we got to cut this one off at the head. <laughs> we got to get ahead of this one. <laughs> like, Ugh. no, that's how you can tell this man did some cocaine about it and was just like, oh God. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I got that from Mary. <laughs> I just. Yeah. Um, But then, like, he's talking a mile a minute, and he gets Steve to go out and is like, go to the CD box. Take as many CDs as you want. Then he shuts the door, and he's like, you fire him. Yeah. (laughs) You get rid of this man. It is me and only me. You're a one-man kind of man now. I got so nervous. I was like, y'all, Steve and David already have a very tumultuous relationship right now. But it definitely feels like this man is ready to take advantage of a 16-year-old who just wants to be famous. This is very much like, you know, we're going to sit on the couch and we're going to get real comfortable together and you're going to sign this thing and all of a sudden I own you for life. Right, yeah. It yeah. feels very like Scooter Braun like of today, back then. Very predatory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, like, I don't know. I was really conflicted. So beyond that part – The getting rid of Steve part, I'm actually conflicted about. Because on the one hand, Steve is also a 16-year-old who knows nothing. He might have some connections because of his mom, but it's not like he's in the business. And then number two, this kind of thing shouldn't really ruin a friendship. Like, I'm trying to wrap my head around, like, how I feel about it. Because, like, I just don't think it's that big like I get it from a friend perspective and that it's like shitty to like abandon somebody who has done a lot for you just out of the goodness of his heart but it's also like is like 
I don't know. The the only thing that David said that actually like made sense to me was at it's later on at the Peach Pit, and he's like, "Do you guys know what you want to be when you grow up?" And Donna and Kelly are like, "No," and he's like, "Well, I do. I know I want this, and I wanted." And that's when I was like, "Okay, he's actually serious about this. And if he's gonna be serious about this, he doesn't need Steve." Like, <laughs> you yeah, know? I, I, so I, I was trying to think of the whole timeline of David's quote unquote career this season because I think it's safe to argue he hasn't really had one um like it's still at the beginning you know we're still on the come up but so Steve pays to get him the gig at the beach club and then he forgets to get him into the showcase that Diesel was in and has to get him to the front of the line and he gets him the DJ job at the pigskin prom or whatever the hell they called it. Um, And then, yeah, he gets him into the showcase, but he gets him in really late. And that's when David just starts screaming at him and fires him. And then he makes up his, like, mixtape to send to everybody. And that's what gets David this meeting. And then he shows up and is like, well, that guy's a snake. And he does – the producer does drugs and you should be really careful. And then David's like, you're fired. Yeah. I mean, David handles it horribly, but I also long-term get it. Like, he should have handled it differently. And yeah, Steve, like, did a lot. I mean, without Steve, he wouldn't be where he's at. So I think that should be, like, you know, counted for something. So that's why I was conflicted, because I'm like, look at what you've done. Like, you don't have a career yet, and you can pretty much, like, if you sign this record deal or, like, with this record company... Like, you can thank Steve for that. Not, I mean, yeah, it's your talent, but, like, you never would have even gotten in the door had it not been for Steve. But then long term, I'm like, yeah, you you eventually don't need Steve because Steve doesn't know anything. Yeah, and it's, it's weird because, like, my concern is that Steve, if Steve isn't there, David's going to sign a bunch of stuff without anybody looking at it because he's got a really bad relationship with his dad and his mom isn't even there. But at the same time, yeah, what Steve is – nine months older than him like (laughs) is this really a big difference steve was flunking out of school and couldn't even fake his own grades (laughs) like didn't he fail gym he had a d or something like that (laughs) yeah like i don't know maybe the music business and being a manager and everything is really steve's calling and like once you put it in like well if you know x times y squared gets you this many babes <laughs> and x squared times y gets you that many babes maybe he just needs it. it's like um kevin and pie in the office yes it's exactly it just, like that it needs to be in babes and steve's got it <laughs> babes and vets <laughs> this one's a vet that one's a porsche which one do you want <laughs> which one goes faster <laughs> if two if a vet and a Porsche are driving, leave the train station at the same time going yeah. in different directions. Which one do you want to drive? <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be real. Steve Steve is not a schoolboy. He is a soft skills boy. Like he he is good at the things that you don't necessarily learn in school. He's good at the things that get you like networking and connections in the door. and yeah. yeah, like So that's, I think, obviously what was at play here. And, I mean, let's be real. Like, even if David kept Steve and David wanted to sign this contract, Steve could show it to his mom. I mean, I know it's different in the music business, but it's still a contract. And it's still, like, a person for hire, like, for your skills. So he's definitely worth something, just not long term. That was my only point. And I mean, maybe he'd grow into being a long-term person. Maybe it just works out. Like, you just – you don't know because you don't give him the chance. And I'm not saying, like, well, he obviously deserves a chance because you're teenagers. But it's a very complicated thing. And to sum it all up, David's kind of a dick. Yeah. And – We are – yeah. We already had Steve be a dick before. mm -hmm. Now David's being a dick. Right. Right. Maybe they're just not actually friends. (laughs) I mean, yeah, because, like, David spent so much time just trying to be friends with Steve that when he got to be friends with Steve and when it wasn't, like, the chase anymore, 
they realize like oh we don't really have anything in common like we're not really like buds we just run in the same circle yeah that could very well be what it was yeah i just don't know yeah that's david that's andrea so all we all we have left is dilly dally well dilly dally and jack and iris gyrus (laughs) (laughs) going back to donna and kelly talking at the peach pit Brandon comes over and asks Kelly if she wants anything, and she already goes ahead and says she's not hungry. I know. I didn't think about it then, but then I thought about it later at the end of the episode, and I was like, I, Ariel's going to call it out. She's going to say it. I, like, it's a thing. I'm so upset it's a thing, and I do feel very confident now that we've been watching a little bit more of it, that we are going to get some sort of payoff for it, mm-hmm. but it's worrying me, and it's very interesting that she just keeps saying I'm not hungry, but she's saying I'm not hungry to different people. So like Dylan doesn't know she didn't eat lunch and also didn't eat dinner. Donna doesn't know that she didn't eat dinner. Yeah. It's it's making me very nervous. But I'm I am like a hawk. <laughs> like I am just watching Kelly. Just like laser focused on Kelly. I I, I can't not. And then it's just so interesting. Like, sorry, one more point on that. It's just, yeah, it's like, it's one of those things where she's actually really, she gives you the impression that nothing is wrong. Like, like you said, how she's kind of telling different people at different times. So like nobody else knows that there's an issue, but she's also really good at like acting happy outside like you know what I mean like you to the to an outsider no one would ever think that something was wrong with Kelly yeah well I mean like at at the dinner later when she says she's not hungry and that's why she didn't eat you know Dylan is just like well you know you don't get dessert if you don't eat your vegetables and like that was it he wasn't just like was this food bad do you want a (laughs) burger like can I get you anything I mean so after this, I kind of didn't write a ton of what was happening. I ended up having to go back and just be like, things I didn't write about. Because, <laughs> like, they have the twin talk next mm-hmm. that Brandon and Brenda have. And I I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked him coming in and being like, you know, Kelly was talking about things. And I don't know if I can come and tell you that. Is it okay for me to talk to you about these kinds of things? Yeah, I mean, because he doesn't want to be in the middle, but he wants to acknowledge, like, his sister's feelings, which I'm like, hey, yeah, Brandon, that's a great thing for you to say and not get yelly about it and, like, all up in arms, like, you're treating me bad kind of situation. So that was really good. And then, <clears throat> and then there was something else that I was like, oh, because, and this, it makes so much sense, like, as soon as I, like, she started saying it, I was like, Yep, yep, makes sense. Brenda says that she really never thought of, like, when they made this ultimatum, she never thought it was going to be a contest. She ultimately thought she was going to win. Like, she, she, I think she literally says, I never thought that I would lose. And I just thought that was so interesting. She thought that there was no way Dylan was going to choose Kelly at the end of this. That she, that her history with him was going to win out. That their, like, intense passion for each other was going to win out. But that also made me think, were her feelings for Dylan really still there at the end? Because if all she's thinking about is, like, I'm not going to lose, so I'm good, was she in it for the right – I mean, obviously she wasn't in it for the right reasons, but it's, like, what – you know, were her feelings really real? Or was she just expecting to win and then later break up with him? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because, I mean, at the – beginning of this episode and then like threw it with all of her fantasies and like cutting up pictures and stuff you know she's actually finally accepting that Dylan isn't hers anymore and I think like I think it all tracks I think she was totally fine being friends with them and handling everything when she thought she couldn't lose mm-hmm. yeah no I, I totally agree with you I just thought it was so something that they didn't really leave a lot of breadcrumbs for while it was happening um, and, like, when they first introduced the ultimatum and stuff. But now that, you know, they've said it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's so interesting. And on that same kind of vein is, like, in those fantasies, if you notice, 
she's actually more upset or like has the most anger or any feelings at all whatsoever toward Kelly. I mean, she's the one who even like approaches her at the end, you know, after she talks with Iris and this other show that I'm watching right now, Atypical, same kind of thing happens where this these two girls are friends and um, one of the girls was dating this guy and the guy actually makes a move on the other friend. And so that other friend tries to tell the first girl, like, he made a move on me. It wasn't me. And then the boyfriend's like, no, she made a move on me. And they get all pissy at each other. But then ultimately that girl breaks up with the guy and comes back to her friend because she's like, I really missed you. He's an asshole. So I'm like, these girl friendships, man, like, it really just shows you hose over bros, man, because I don't know, these girl friendships, and especially Brenda and Kelly, like we've talked about Brenda and Kelly almost as much, if not more than uh, Brenda and Dylan. And I just feel like especially in high school, it tracks so much. It's like, yeah, you feel like when you break up with a boy, your whole life is like ruined for a second. But if you were to lose your best friend, it is devastating. So I just also found that really interesting with her like little fantasy things that she was actually, the one that she had more feelings toward was Kelly, not Dylan. Oh yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like, you know, she and Dylan have been on and off for this whole show but, like, she and Kelly have not. I mean, you know, they've argued and stuff, but, like, Brenda has gone and dated other boys. She has not had other best friends. Right. Exactly. So interesting. Yeah. And then the next morning, Brenda comes down to breakfast, and it's kind of the same thing with the entire family where they're like, we're not really sure what we can talk about around you. Because Jim – Go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, because Jim – is about to go into the office to meet with Iris. Yeah, so he's, like, not sure what he should say and how he should act, which also makes sense. Like, you don't want to set Brenda off, but you also want to be there for her and show her that you care, so it totally makes sense. Um, It's just – it's so interesting, though, Jim's kind of reaction in this whole thing because I guess for so long we're, like, thinking that he would be super, super happy to be finally rid of Dylan McKay. You know, he's not yet, but once he ties up this loose end with Iris McKay, then bye-bye Dylan, you know, from his life forever. But you actually see him kind of like being there for Brenda this episode, you know, like in a really big way. And I was like, color me shocked because he never acts sensitive about Dylan to Brenda. Yeah, well, and then, you know, he says it multiple times. It, I think I've also taken this from Mary where he's got dad feelings for Dylan. And it's just like maybe it was you don't know what you've got until you've lost it. Yeah. Where, like he's hated Dylan this whole time and been like, you're doing stupid things. You're throwing away your life. You can't date my daughter. Da, 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 da. And now like Dylan's actually doing something stupid and Jim is just like, I can't let this happen. Yeah, it's like finally his paternal instincts like kicked in rather than just seeing him as like the bad boy who's dating his daughter or whatever. He's like, oh, this is like still a 17, 18 year old. I guess he has 18. He's 18. This 18 year old kid who is potentially being taken advantage by his, oh, by the way, criminal father. Oh, my God. His parents are such dumpster fires. They're a mess. They're a hot mess. Yeah, because, you know, at some point. I think, you know, Iris shows up into town and she's like, oh, I'm going to talk some sense into Dylan. I'm not going to let any of this happen. And then Jack is just like, well, I'm really glad that she put the money in your name because it would have all been taken away from me when I was in jail. And you like he totally just pits Dylan against her and is like, this is what she's going to do. You're going to offer to take her to Ohio because that's what she likes. And then you're going to get her to sign this all away for me. Like, he's using his kid, and then Iris sees it happening and is just like, oh, well. Well, at first she's like, yeah, I mean, that's why I'm not going to sign any of this away to you. But then, like, by the end of it, you're like, what are you – like, I get what you're saying in theory, but in practice, in this situation, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. And, like, 
I just don't get it. I really don't. I mean, she's kind of done this before where, like, she showed up and wanted a relationship with Dylan and he yelled at her. So she was like, okay, here's your trust. I'm going to go back to my yurt. Bye. (laughs) So, like, I shouldn't be totally surprised, but this upsets me so much because she's basically signing this over being like, he can do what he wants to do. He's 18. You know, he's going to lose it all. And then what? What is going to happen to him when he loses it all? That's the thing, too. It's like I understand wanting to, like, teach someone a lesson, you know, or, like, have this, like, moral ending or whatever. But at the same time, he's still your son. And, like, do you really want your son to be penniless, assuming that's what's going to happen? You know, like, do you really want him to have to, like, fight tooth and nail to, like, have any money to survive? Like, I don't know. No, and I mean, they've done this before. The very first time we met Dylan, I think it was in that very first episode where he, like, calls France looking for his parents, and they've just left without telling him where they went. Like, it, this is not new. It's just worse because they're not leaving him, like, a safety net of mm-hmm. millions of dollars. Yeah, exactly. They're they're almost, like – totally abandoning abandoning him now like financially physically all of it which is ridiculous because like iris is being a horrible mother to dylan but then she shows up to the walshes to give incredible advice to brenda (laughs) yeah she shows up with a crystal which made me think of winston (laughs) it made me think of mary (laughs) yeah and all these good vibes about like what this crystal can do and like what's really going on sweetheart and like all this like stuff about being a big person and like cleansing I, you know you know you know like all that stuff and i'm like cool 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 but like what about what your about baby for your boy? son yeah oh it made me so mad and i honestly like that's it like we ended <laughs> yeah. the we end the show with Jack being on the phone with somebody and we know there's something nefarious going on. And then like Jim literally being like, I legally have to do this, but I am going to take as long as possible to draw all this paperwork up so that maybe everyone comes to their senses. Yeah. And then I mean, he Kel- – Go ahead. I was going to say, and then Kelly doesn't eat dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, just- I mean, it ended – like it. I – liked the episode overall but it ended on like such a somber note because it was like kelly not eating jack talking to some person about the dealing or whatever uh but sort of feeling remorseful about it like a teeny tiny bit and then oh and then brandon getting the cd player the skis perfume and something for brenda yeah i don't know what he got brenda i assume (laughs) it's also perfume yeah so it's like all right, we got gambling addiction, possible eating disorder, um, conning your son, and, like, Jim feeling bad about not being able to be, like, the person that Dylan needs right now. Yeah. Like, it, it's definitely that, like, his father figure instincts want to kick in, and he's like, I can't I, – I can't do anything about this. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, I did – Overall, I think I really enjoyed this episode. I think it went by pretty fast. I'm not sure. It was another one that, like, was really building a whole bunch of stuff up and, like, continuing through it without really, like, having these explosive moments, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and give it, like, a B for Jordan Bonner. <laughs> I love Bonner's him. back. Bonner's back. Yeah, I was also, I didn't write it down, but I was thinking about a B or so for, oh, I got nothing, man. Mm. It's just hard Brenda's work fantasies. B. Yeah, B. B for Brandon's little chest hairs. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's real good. Yeah, you, yeah, you can take that one down. That one's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, oh god, it's really uh, hard to grade things consistently when you have four letters to do it. <laughs> you know, A, B, C, D. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it was overall a good episode for somewhat being a filler or like 
you know, kind of a let's move these plots forward a little bit. Um, yeah, I actually kind of liked it. Yeah. Um, do you know what's next week? I do. It's season three, episode 21, and it's called Dead End. Oh, boy. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't oh. like that. Sounds ominous. Um, I'm not going to read it. I wonder I'm not gonna who's. Read it this time. Yeah, right? Could it be Brandon's? Feel- <gasps> Could it be the McKay family? Dylan's? Yeah. Kelly's? I hope it's not Kelly's. It's not Ooh. Kelly's. David's? Yeah, it can't be. No, mm, David and cares. Kelly haven't gotten there that far. Oh, I don't I don't even want to speculate. I don't like the name of this one. I know. But I guess we'll find out next week. Mhm. That we will. And until then, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at back2podcast. Yep, and make sure to send us any of your thoughts or comments or questions or anything at all, even if you just want to say hi to backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, share with your friends, listen on repeat, brag about us, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then if you do say anything... And I mean anything. We'll shout you out on one of our episodes. And um, just make sure you are leaving reviews or commenting, things like that, just so we can make sure that other people can find us um, and share it around. Yeah. So until we talk to you again next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm Ariel. I'm Caitlin. I'm Mary. Bye. Bye. See ya.